My name is Lauren. This is a podcast all about well-being. Thanks for being here today. I have a special guest joining me. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Julia. I'm a student. I'll be going back in the fall to study local development in Padua, 20 kilometers from Venice in northern Italy. I recently got my undergrad in communications in southern Italy body. All right. And how do we know each other? We met uh, four weeks ago at yoga teacher training. And it's been so much fun getting to know each other and being able to practice together in an open, safe, fun space. It definitely has been a lot of fun. And even though it's been like a month in, it's a three-month course, like I really feel like I've learned so much. I agree. Yeah. Yoga isn't just about the posture or the meditation. It's so much more. There's philosophy. There's the ethics. It's a lot that we're learning. We should do like a recap of it at the end of the summer. That would be cool. Oh, I agree with our other um, yogi, yeah. mm-hmm. with Cam. We're trying to get our, our friend Cameron on the show. And uh, I think we convinced him. Yes, I believe so. A little bit. He yeah. promised us. He did. Cameron, if you're listening, uh, we're waiting for you. <laughs> okay, great. So enough about us. So today we're going to be talking about the culture of busyness, particularly here in North America. Um, this is one, a topic that we talked about pretty early on because I was asking you about your experience in Italy and you were saying how there's such a stark contrast in the pace of life as in it's a lot slower in Italy versus it is here. So I'm curious to hear more about this experience. So in our day-to-day lives in Italy, people do value community, relationships, family, friends so much more. So Every Sunday, you're at grandma's house eating, and that's it. The whole town is closed. You can't find anybody on the streets. Everyone's eating at grandma's house, and that's great. Mm -hmm. And also, during the week, from 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock, most stores are closed. This is in southern Italy, by the way. And everyone would go back to their house and have lunch and then go back and continue working. So everything's a lot more slow paced and it's, I found it a livable pace because here in North America, I feel that everything goes by so quickly where I can't even enjoy the moment. It's hard to when there's just, there's so much going on at any time of day. So usually on Sundays, people don't work in Italy, right? No, it's very rare. Everyone does take out the time to spend time with their family eat a proper meal. And these meals go on for up to six hours occasionally. Christmas <laughs> Christmas was from, we sat at the table at noon and we left at 9 p.m. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we just ate the whole time. This is the best Christmas ever. Exactly. <laughs> Next year I'm coming to Italy because that sounds amazing. Yes. I think having the time to slow down and enjoy what you're doing, being present is so important. And in North America, I feel that we've lost touch with that because we're in this society of consumption where we we think we're time equals money and that equals happiness. But how much are we trying to fit into our everyday lives if you can't even feel what's going on? Like if we're just working all the time and yeah, maybe we're making more money, but then we never have time to even spend that money on experiences. Exactly. And I'll talk about my personal experience so yeah for me sometimes I have difficulty relaxing 
And like I'll carve out time to do self-care, but sometimes I feel guilty that I'm doing self-care because I think about, you know, I could be doing work right now. And this is mostly during the school term. Um, even though I know how great self-care is for you, like I'll, for example, like I'll be reading a book and I'll think, oh, like I should be doing this thing or prepare for this. And it's hard for me to be totally present and relax because there's just so many things grabbing for my attention. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can relate to this, especially when, you know, we don't often find ourselves like just sitting in silence unless you carve out time to do so. So yeah, even for me, it's, I still find it difficult to give myself the permission to relax. And I think I'm getting better and better at it. And especially like last school term, like even though there was a lot going on, I made sure to like have those moments for myself, you know, to say that, okay, like, yes, you can be thinking about all these other things, but you already carved out the time to do this. And in the long run, taking breaks are going to be so much more beneficial than just powering through for six hours of studying and at least for me I find you know breaks make me more energized and more efficient so thinking about it that way instead of thinking of breaks as me being lazy and in university culture I I feel like there's you know if you get like three hours of sleep it becomes like a bragging thing oh yes completely yeah it's like oh I only got four hours sleep and someone's like oh I only got three hours sleep but why are we bragging about you know compromising our health exactly this is not normal right like pulling all-nighters shouldn't like be a normal thing yeah even to the point where young people individuals do stimulants Adderall dexedrine Mm -hmm. to study and people are taking drugs to study that's not a healthy society because we have all this pressure to do so many things at once and Yeah, I definitely felt that too. And like in the first three years, I was doing a full course load. And then I realized in my fourth year that, you know, it was just too much for me. And like being able to accept that and like admit that was hard because, you know, I always thought of myself as someone that can persevere and never gives up. But then I realized like it's okay to give up, like the colloquial, not the colloquialism give up, but more so it's okay to like know your limits and like for me like I dropped some of my courses in fourth year and like I had such a better experience because I had more time to myself and more energy to allocate to like my friendships and and to my courses that I did have and even though I had fewer I did so much better in them especially at in university there's this you know constant need to be filling up your resume and working and doing a full course load and volunteering and also you know maintain your relationships and there really just isn't enough time in the day to do that and like you could do that but you're really spreading yourself so thin and not putting that much energy or effort into like all those things it's hard to be selective sometimes in terms of like what do you prioritize versus what are things that you don't need to be doing right now I don't know if it's always been like this or maybe like my experience but there's such a need to be like hurrying to the next thing you know like hurrying to the next meeting or class and like that's necessary sometimes if you don't have much time in between but yeah I found myself like always being in a rush and not taking the time to like enjoy you know even like walking from one class to another and I think it's also like a time management thing too like I schedule so much in my day that I realize that of course like I don't have time to relax because I didn't make any time for me to do so sometimes it's necessary to do a lot of extracurricular things if you're volunteer if you're applying to like med school or getting into a graduate program like they require these things and I wonder if it's 
become more and more of an expectation to be doing so many things versus maybe like 10 years ago. Oh, I, I think so. You think? Yeah. I, I, I doubt that our parents did so many extracurricular activities. Right. Did our parents do that? No. Definitely they didn't not. volunteer? I don't think so. <laughs> so it is a cultural phenomenon that has occurred current, recently. And also the raised intuition for us in like mm-hmm. 2003, there has been a major bump. I've heard f- from other students that it was from $500 at the beginning of their term per course mm-hmm. to what, 2000? So we go to school with debt by the time we're out of it. Mm-hmm. So we're also having these anxieties of how are we going to pay off these mm-hmm. debts? Yeah. Right? right. And then we need like a part time job and we exactly. need to find other ways to make money. To, oh, interesting. So mm-hmm. you're already leaving university with so much debt. And that's not healthy because we're not even assured a job <laughs> later, right? right? Mm-hmm. So that's where I think a lot of anxiety comes from. Prior to this, we discussed the fact that social status has a lot to do with this. And would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah, we were talking earlier about how I was reading this really great article about the pace of life in Italy versus here in North America. And they're seeing how... Uh, yeah, busyness is seen as such a prestigious and prestigious thing here in North America. If you, you know, if you're working all the time and you're always busy and you always seem like you're being productive and that is seen as you're successful and, you know, you're, you're put at this higher degree. But then in Italy, if you have a lot of leisure time, it's seen as um, that's seen as more successful because you have you know, you worked so hard during your work hours and you were so productive that that gave you time to, you know, have leisure time and do leisure activities. So it's interesting to see how it's so different, just how, you know, what we view as successful here is totally different than in Italy. Did you find that that was the case? I completely agree. What we think of as successful is culture bound. I think North America, I uh, personally, I feel that we need to change the idea of success, like culturally. Mm. How fast do we need to go and how much do we need to consume, right? Mm-hmm. I can't eat so much. I, I'm happy with enough. That goes into the conversation of us like always wanting more, which I wonder if, if that's a cultural phenomenon too. But then we're like never satisfied with like what we have in terms of time or money or happiness. That but could be a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing, but mm-hmm. that does include... The fact that that's social status, how much money we have, how much anything we have. We are trying to show off to the other or the neighbors next door, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Jones. And we're talking about how technology kind of exacerbates this whole, all these negative effects of the culture of busyness. We're seeing how, you know, now you can work remotely. You can work anywhere. Like you can work outside the office at any of time of day outside of regular business hours. And it creates this constant need to always be working because the there's an opportunity to do so so you never really get a break from your work the french they've actually made um, a law that says that other than uh, outside of working hours employees have the right to not answer their email Mm. out of their working hours so they have labor laws yeah oh yeah i know a lot of um like employers if they go on vacation they'll have 
um, like an automatic email that say, I'll be on vacation. I won't be checking until this date, but call this my coworker if you need to reach me or something, which I think is really great because we shouldn't have to be reached 24 seven. And like, we should have some kind of separation between work and life. Oh, completely. Uh, It's impossible to manage if we're always getting bombarded with emails, text messages uh, in the evening. And Mm -hmm. how do we relax? Yeah, it's hard to (laughs) if you're constantly being reminded about work. We purposely need to recharge and do it mindfully, I think. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, it's easy to be swayed away by by Facebook, by anything, really. Right. So do you feel like technology plays a big part in why we have this culture of busyness? Oh, completely. I use my phone and I see how much time I actually spend on my cell phone or my smartphone. And it ends up being, on average, an hour and a half a day. And I don't even know realize how. And I try to use it as minimal as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess yes. you never realize because no. like, every time you pick it up, that's adding like a couple of minutes. But... And then at the end of the day, you're seeing everything add up. And it's like, where did I, when did I spend an hour on my phone? Exactly. It's weird. Like once technology really started becoming so prevalent in our lives, like I lose track for sure of like how much time I'm spending on my phone, even though I'm looking at screen time. But it's easy to be so consumed, especially by like these apps are made to be so addictive. And then you realize like, I feel robbed of all this time. And as citizens, we need to be able to filter out a lot of information, a lot of advertisements that are specifically designed to keep our attention because that's where they get their money from by giving data to the marketing firms. They study like our psychology to see what will make us, you know, stay captivated and keep us using their devices, which is kind of scary that we're all part of this like global experiment just because you know, like technology really have, or social media has only emerged like in the last five or so years. Since 2012, really the iPhone started. So in the last five years, yes. Mm -hmm. And we don't know the long-term effects of what this is doing to our brain because there's no information on that because it just started, but we're seeing these short-term effects and they're not looking great. (laughs) Even though, I mean, I love technology. I mean, we're doing a podcast right now and, but I think it's important to have a balance and be intentional about, you know, how technology is affecting your life and we want to use in ways that, that are beneficial instead of harmful. My concern is, um, our brains are developed. I'm almost 25 I'm really concerned for younger kids. Me too. Because we don't give drugs to young children, but we are giving a device that is as addictive as drugs to younger children. There are the pros and cons of technology. It brings people together. It educates people. But there's also the cons that we need to be able to protect ourselves. And I -hmm. think meditation is one of the best ways. That's exactly what we wanted to talk about today, kind of how to counteract the negative effects of the culture of busyness, just because, you know, there's so many things grabbing for our attention. And we're, as a society, we, we have become more distracted with technology and with this whole pressure to keep working. And it's important to find moments of silence for yourself. Through this whole yoga teacher training, I've learned, I've learned so much more about meditation. It's really like opened my eyes to how to live more mindfully. And I feel like when I live more mindfully, time seems to slow down. But when I'm like constantly busy or like I'm using my phone when I don't really need to be, time goes by so fast and I realize that I'm not like really enjoying my life because I'm, I don't take the time to. 
tell me more. What did you find useful at the um, yoga teacher training? What did you learn? Right. Yeah. So for example, yesterday we did um, a mindful walk after lunch. And I mean, I've done mindful walks before, but this was so different because so basically the instruction was we had 10 minutes and you could like walk anywhere in the neighborhood. Just don't talk to anyone and just notice the things around you. So that was all we were told. And I thought, okay, like this might be boring, but you know, let's just do it. What's different than what I usually do is, you know, I I just I usually just walk at normal pace if I'm doing a mindful walk. But this time, Lucy, our instructor, she was telling us to like go super slowly. And first it was like a weird concept to me because I never walk slowly. But basically we're walking like a little bit faster than a turtle is how I describe it. Maybe, Maybe faster. And so we're walking really slowly and it was It was so strange because it was such a moving experience for me because I never, like I was saying yesterday, um, you know, whenever I'm walking to our studio, I'm always in such a hurry because I'm so worried about being late and I never give myself enough time and just like I'm annoyed at myself for, you know, having to rush. But this is the first time that I'm in this neighborhood and I'm really noticing the things around me, like the artwork and the architecture and the color of the sky, things I never stop to think about and it was it was so cool and it it felt even though it was 10 minutes I felt like it was at least 30 minutes it it was so bizarre it really inspired me to like why am I in such a hurry you know and like I want to have more experiences like that where I'm totally present and you know I'm noticing all these things and all these sounds and sensations that otherwise I would not have noticed and inspired me to you know make more time to do that like for example if I'm walking home from the bus stop and I realized like why am I most of the times I'm not in a hurry to get home so why don't I just walk more slowly and and you really enjoy the experience so that that's how how the yoga training influenced me just to be more mindful not only in meditation but in simple things like we that we do like brushing your teeth or taking a shower things that we already do we don't need to we don't have to incorporate like more activities but doing those things mindfully. Speaking of mindfulness, in the next part of this episode, we'll be talking about meditation. In our society that values hyperproductivity, our constant need to be working has manifested into actual physical and mental changes like difficulty concentrating, being more impatient and irritable, and resulting in this physical and mental fatigue. Meditation can help to counteract these harmful effects of the culture of busyness because it allows us a few moments to slow down and be fully present. There's been a growing body of scientific evidence showing that meditation can sharpen our attention, it can improve our memory, and it can strengthen areas of the brain associated with kindness and compassion. We want to talk a little bit about what it is because I think some people may think that you have to be a Buddhist monk or you have to sit cross-legged for nine hours a day. So would you like to talk about what meditation is to you? Meditation essentially is, personally in my practice, a way to recharge, Mm -hmm. recharge my brain, turn off everything and let go of the stress. I see it like that too. It's kind of like focusing on one thing at a time. So in meditations, usually you're focusing on your breathing, like your inhales and exhales and, uh, Yeah, but meditation can be in a lot of different ways too. Like you can do moving meditation. So 
you know, when you're doing yoga, you're paying attention to what kind of poses you're doing, maybe a walking meditation, like I was saying, a mindful walk. So there's so many ways of meditating that's not just traditional sitting down. A lot of people think that meditation is about clearing your mind, which it definitely isn't all because, I mean, our brains can't do that. We can't not think. Um, but it's about really focusing your mind. And, In an effortless way. Yeah, exactly. Noticing what kind of thoughts you're having and being able to let them go is kind of the general idea of meditation. It's definitely hard. Like, I thought it was very difficult at first. Um, so I think I started probably like a little bit over two years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I'm relatively new versus you've been doing it your entire life pretty much. Oh, I was raised as a Tibetan Buddhist. My yeah. mom's Chinese. My dad's Italian. I was raised Buddhist. What can I say? Mm -hmm. So most... Right. This yes. is just part of your, your identity, yes, I guess. Yes, uh, I also grew up in um, a Tibetan Buddhist temple in Burnaby. So after school, the monk would pick me up from school. And for about three years from grade three to grade six, I'd go and meditate after school with my babysitter monk mm -hmm. and chant Sanskrit. This, this is so cool. This is so different from like any like upbringing that I'm familiar with, I oh, guess. yes. I didn't even know what meditation was until, I mean, recently, really. I guess once I started learning more about well-being and I, uh, I saw meditation was such a um, you know, kept emerging, like, you know, with Headspace and Calm, like all these apps were being made. I think that's what uh, grabbed my attention. So for me, why I started doing it was more so um, I wanted to find a way to fall asleep more easily. For me, it was so hard to fall asleep because I kept thinking about the day and the next day and uh, it really get in the way of getting good quality sleep. So when I learned about meditation and how it's a great way to calm your mind, I thought, okay, I'll give it a shot. You know, I don't know much about it. I thought it was like a spiritual thing, but you know, it doesn't have to be. I started watching um, YouTube videos. So you doing guided meditation. I would do like five minutes, super short and just paying attention to your breathing over and over again. And I just realized like I felt so much better afterwards and I was able to fall asleep more easily. And then I started incorporating it into my everyday routine. So every morning I'll meditate for 10 minutes, like after I get up and I find that so useful for me, um, particularly, yeah, in stress relief. And um, yeah, there's this really great article talking about, and I'll link these if you want to read them, but um, so you know that your amygdala, so it's, yes. it's responsible for producing feelings of anxiety and stress and fear. So when what they saw in studies of people that meditated that the amygdala actually shrank in size. So it's interesting to see that meditation is has become such an effective treatment for people with depression and anxiety and just combating repetitive thoughts and rumination. So that was really intriguing to me that meditation can actually change the structure of your brain. And they're also seeing how it strengthens areas in the brain associated with focus and concentration. And there's a reason why so many athletes and uh, military personnel do meditation because their job requires such intense concentration. Even though I'm not an athlete or in the military, <laughs> I find that it's so helpful just like focusing in class before I'd be so, I'd be thinking, I'd be so distracted. Like if people in front of me were doing things and uh, distracted by what the teacher's wearing. I mean, like really anything would distract me. Um, but once I started meditating, I realized that, like, yeah, like I still would get distracted, but I could bring myself back to the present moment and say, okay, focus, you know, and it just became easier over time. 
And it definitely was not an overnight process of like, oh, I'm more focused now or, oh, I'm more peaceful now. And I've been doing it for two years. And I sometimes I still feel like oh, I'm like the worst meditator ever. But I realized that it's it's like learning any kind of skill, you know, like learning how to play an instrument or learning how to play basketball. <laughs> I don't know, something like that. I mean, it really just takes practice. And it, it definitely helped me a lot. That's really good. <laughs> no, um, there's uh, I did this back in 2015, the 10-day silent retreat, mm-hmm. Vipassana. Right. It's in Merritt, close to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And that was really helpful to mm-hmm. start as even a way to start off if anyone ever does have 10 days off and, <laughs> and has the opportunity to do it, I would highly recommend it just to, feel, um, to find your inner peace. Mm-hmm. And how often do you spend, you know, 10 days or not 10 days? How often do you spend like an hour just, just meditating? Oh, right. it's very rare to find the time to do it today. Mm-hmm. But I carve out the time I choose to place a specific hour of the day, mm-hmm. generally in the morning, mm-hmm. in my special place where I usually meditate and I I breathe. Do you feel like you're like the most calm in the morning? Like oh, it's the best completely. Time? Yeah. Completely. For me, my mind is at peace. And it's a good way to start the day. I find that without it, I would be more distracted. Mm-hmm. That's what I find too. Like it's, I can I can notice the days that I don't meditate that I'm more scatterbrained. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think there are a lot of misconceptions about meditation just because you know it's for so long it's been linked to like spirituality and religion. Um, but for me, it was really just like an exercise for my brain, and that's kind of how I saw it, and that's kind of what it's been for me. And it, it doesn't have to be, you know, linked to anything else if that's like a barrier for you. I hear a lot of people say, you know, I don't have time to meditate, but you can med- you can meditate for five minutes a day and that's already so good for you. Also, I'd say if you don't have time to meditate for five minutes, then you should be meditating like twice a day in that case. Exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, if if President Barack Obama can meditate, <laughs> then I mean, how how busy is your job? Exactly. Yeah. Something that was unexpected for me was that I learn how to better understand my own emotions. And before I started meditating, I didn't, I never even even thought about, you know, labeling my emotions or exploring how my emotions, you know, what kind of role plays in my life. But once I started meditating and when you're meditating, you, you notice what kind of thoughts you're having, whether they're positive or negative. Through that, I was better able to regulate my own emotions and also notice emotions in other people so in a lot of ways it's transformed like my relationships because it's helped me to be more empathetic because I can notice you know emotions within myself that help me to notice emotions in my friends and other people and um it was very unexpected this this gaining of self-awareness through meditation because like I was saying like I wanted to sleep better and I wanted to focus better but like after I maybe did it for like a year it made me think more about how how it was living and it was transforming other aspects of my life. I completely agree. Uh, meditation helps me, for example, to be able to judge a, not judge a situation, but see a situation with non judgment. Before when I, when I started earlier on, I was so hard on myself for like because it was so hard at the beginning, and I thought, oh, I you know I can't stop thinking and. Um, you know, I was being hard on myself and I was listening to this great guy meditation and they were saying how, you know, instead of berating yourself for being distracted, like 
it's kind of like talking it's, it's like you're a parent to a child you know saying like oh okay let's let's come back here let's come back to the present you would never say to a child like oh you're so bad at meditating and I mean, you just would never talk like that. So why would we talk like that to ourselves? So once I shifted this, this way of like, oh, you know, if I get distracted, come back to the present moment. That's totally fine. That's normal. I gain more self-compassion within myself, not only in meditating, but just in my life in general. Like I was easier on myself, better able to let things go. Yeah. Do you want to tell me that story you're telling me about? Oh, about my laundry? Yeah. <laughs> so... Essentially, what meditation brought me to was the fact that I was at the gym one day and it had started raining very hard and my laundry was out and I was very upset about my laundry because it was raining and it was going to get wet. Mm -hmm. So what I decided was that my laundry is going to get wet anyways. So I'm going to do my best workout and have fun anyways and go back to doing my laundry when it's all wet later. Mm -hmm. Being in the present that's what meditation's about effortlessly right yeah because there was nothing you could do in that situation but you can change the way that you think exactly yeah it could have been like the most awful experience you could have like ruined your time at the gym because you're thinking about all you have to do like more work you have to do but then you chose to let things go exactly which is really hard to do if if one isn't aware of their emotions right. without the mindful practice. Exactly. We're just coming full circle here. Exactly. Yeah. And they're even trying to bring more like mindfulness programs into like elementary schools because they're seeing the amazing benefits that it has. And like if kids can better understand their emotions, then they grow up to be adults that can better understand their emotions. And I feel like we need more of that. Oh, of course. <laughs> Who? Which society doesn't need more respectful and loving people? Yes. <laughs> We've been People have been practicing meditation for thousands of years. And, mm -hmm. and it's unfortunate that we've lost connection with that in the recent, since industri the Industrial Revolution. Mm -hmm. So it's a good way to implement it and bring us back to what we really need to do is pray, meditate. Yeah, sit in silence, walk mindfully. Exactly. Yeah. Take more breaks. Take more breaks. Other ways of doing meditation, I think, personally for me, would be um, painting. Because Ooh. I actually, I I don't think. I just see the colors and mm. I drift off. Mm. And it's effortlessly. It just comes naturally. Mm. Have you heard of this um, psychological state called flow? No. I've never. Well, I've heard of the word flow, but not necessarily <laughs> the psychological st state. Yeah. You're familiar with the English. Oh, of flow. course. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I meant, um, so yeah, I, I was learning in my health psychology classes, this, I, this concept called flow that was yes. coined by a Hungarian psychologist. Um, and he talks about flow is a state where um, you're totally engaged in activity and time feels like it's either slowing down or flying by. So is that something you feel like in painting? It's oh, like completely. You totally lose awareness of time. Oh, completely. Certain activities such as mm -hmm. um, yoga, painting, mm -hmm. meditation, a lot right. of times I will completely lose track of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they say it's when you're, um, it's like when your challenge meets your ability. So it's not like too easy, but it's also not too hard. Exactly. So something like painting is, you know, it's, yeah, like you were saying, it's so effortless and you kind of, you lose yourself in the activity. Oh, completely. And then after a while, I'll get tired and stop. Mm -hmm. And then, but there's something that pushes me to continue. 
Yeah, it's such a cool state to be in. Like, mm-hmm. I feel it when I play the piano mm-hmm. or even when I'm, like, talking to a friend, I, I can totally lose track of time. I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So you're probably listening to this and you're like, okay, we get it. Meditation's great for you guys. Like, how do I, how do I get into it? How do I start doing meditation? So we have the answers. Or not the answers, but <laughs> we're going to try our best to help. So do you want to give, give a tip? Of- oh, well, it's pretty easy. <laughs> Maybe just eight minutes is honestly enough. Mm-hmm. Five to ten minutes of deep breathing. Mm-hmm. Early in the morning is the best time in a special place because habits form in places generally. And um, quiet quiet spaces are generally preferred, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what else? But also if you're like on the bus i'll try to meditate oh yes i do that quite often i meditate when i'm commuting yeah pretty much always nice because i mean if what else are you gonna do right exactly might as well make the time if you have a really busy schedule but commuting is something you have to do so for me it's hard to do like traditional meditation when i'm on the bus because there's so you know so much going on there's so many noises but i try to do like sound meditation so i sit there and i notice like all the sounds around me which I think is a lot easier than like paying attention to my breath when I'm in like busier places like that. On the way here, I did alternate nostril breathing. On the to, bus? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because because I needed more energy. I right. I work at a day camp currently with lots of kids. So mm-hmm. I I felt like I needed a little pick-me-up. And instead of coffee, which I'm trying to reduce, nice. I tried to prana. I, I incorporated a breath and it works. I mm-hmm. hyper-oxygenated my brain and I feel more energized nice i love how you did this on the bus because mm-hmm. usually like i'd be embarrassed or not embarrassed but like i like doing it in the comfort of my own home but wow that's great i wish i had the confidence to do that maybe one day one day one day maybe <laughs> one day right and i a really great point that one of our classmates jaime was talking about at teacher training was like a really good way to form a habit is link it to a ready to an already established habit so for example um like i'll meditate after i get up so it's always, you know, I'm always going to get up. Maybe this is a bad example because it's not really a habit. It's just something that most people do, get out of bed. <laughs> but as I get out, after I get up, then I start meditating and it just becomes routine for me. So maybe it's like you make a cup of tea and then you meditate or maybe before you brush your teeth, you meditate. So it's kind of like ingrained in your brain that, okay, this is part of my routine now instead of trying to pick a time in your day. I feel like that makes it more difficult. But when you have a consistent time, that's helpful in developing any kind of habit. Oh, I completely agree. I like meditation in the morning. Mm -hmm. It changes every day. But what I am sure of doing is I do a few sun salutations Mm -hmm. in the morning just to wake up my body. Mm -hmm. And then that's how I start my day. That's such an awesome way to start the day. Start with like a moving, mindful practice. Oh, completely. I feel much better. Awesome. Okay. Um, Some more tips to getting into meditation. For me, it was really helpful to do guided meditations. Um, It was really difficult to just, for me at first, to just sit down and be in silence for five minutes. But what I like is, so I use the app Calm. Um, There's lots of great apps, you know, Headspace, YouTube, you know, there's so many free resources. It's really helpful because they'll, every now and then, they'll chime in and say, oh, make sure to focus on your breathing. Breathe in and out. And that's helpful for me. And then that makes it easier to do silent meditations, like, on your own. Like, once you have that guidance, then you learn more about the practice. You learn more about 
you know, developing self-compassion and letting things go. So if you're completely new to meditation, I'd recommend guided meditation. Oh, I agree completely. Awesome. If that's an easy bridge, mm-hmm. do it. It's important to like um, carve out the time every day if you can, mm-hmm. because otherwise habits don't form if we don't create the space to open up. Mm-hmm. Right. Like yeah. doing it once a week. I mean, it's going to be really difficult to develop that habit. Exactly. It's like playing the piano once a week. Like you'll make little progress, but you know, it's not as effective. And you won't see the benefits. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're new to meditating, I would say don't set too high expectations, even though Julie and I talked about the benefits of meditation for like 10 minutes. Um, it's easy to think like, oh, in three days or like in a week, then I'm going to be more focused and I'm going to develop self-compassion. But like I said, it doesn't happen overnight. And at least I didn't find that. Um, even though there, there definitely you can see things that happen like more quickly, like different effects that you have. But a lot of these things, I mean, it, it takes a while to notice. I would say don't be discouraged if you don't notice these things right away because, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's brain structure, you're just who you are. It's going to be so different for everyone. And what meditation is for Julia and I might be completely different for you. But maybe you'll see similarities also in what we said. But yeah, don't be discouraged. I say keep at it (laughs) if you can. But if it's not for you, then like that's totally fine too. I mean, this is just like, I guess, something that we have implemented in our lives. But I guess you've always meditated, so. Exactly. But there are other ways that you can meditate and not necessarily sit down, as you were saying before, the walking Mm -hmm. meditation, the sound meditation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've, like, whoever's listening to this, like, you've meditated before, even if you weren't aware of it. Exactly. Yeah, which is cool (laughs) to think about. (laughs) I completely agree. Yeah, anytime you were, like, focused on something and, like, focused just on one thing, you were meditating, whether you like it or not. <laughs> That's exactly it. I guess the intention of this podcast was to talk about this phenomenon of the culture of busyness and make you maybe think more about busyness in your own life, like how you look at productivity, if you think of busyness as a status symbol, so just get you thinking more about that kind of thing. Uh, and also talking about how we can counteract the negative effects of the culture of busyness and through meditation and through intentional technology use. So we hope that you're able to take something away from this and maybe think about more so about like how do you spend your time and are you using it in a way that's fruitful or are you using it in a way that, you know, life kind of zooms past and you don't really stop to enjoy it. The way I think of it is, you know, I'm only 22 once this one year. Like I don't want to be, you know, 80 and look back and say like, oh, I don't even remember what I did that year. That's like kind of morbid. Anyway, uh, so yeah, thanks so much for being on my podcast. I really appreciate you sharing your stories and talking about meditation. And it's been it's been such a great experience. Well, thank you, Lauren, for hosting me. It's been a lot of fun. I hope we can do this again. Definitely. Hopefully we can get Cameron on and we can do like a, a three-person episode. That'll be fun. I've never done that before, actually. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like this episode, make sure you're subscribed on Spotify or the Apple Podcasts app and like the Facebook page to stay updated with new episodes every Wednesday. See you soon.